glad you came to worship the Lord this morning. Well, we're going to continue our worship, but we're going to do it uh, by listening to him because he wants to speak to us this morning. So I invite you to take your seats and you can find, uh, get your Bibles. Let's open up our Bibles and we're going to go to uh, Luke chapter 4. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, you'll notice one of our ushers is coming around. They would love to give you one. And if you don't own a Bible, please consider that a gift. Take it with you. Read it. And uh, come on back next Sunday. We love to study God's Word. We are in the middle, as we've said, of this uh, series where, where it, it's really a, a big service initiative called Go Beyond. And I want you to kind of get a little bit of a recap, all right? Here is what we were up to yesterday. Watch this. yesterday, and uh, those of you who are with us, I hope you enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. Uh, we had about 30 people that were there, and uh, we were just trying to serve, and uh, this, this second story, we were thankful for what they're doing in our community, and uh, they're kind of a safe house for, for teens, people that uh, need a place to go, and we were able to just do some work, all right? We are in the middle of Go Beyond. This is our local outreach, and Go Beyond is a church-led initiative uh, to encourage and organize and mobilize people to better our community through acts of service. We just want to reach out and make an impact in Northern Virginia. But here's the question this morning. How are we going to make an impact? What is going to make a real difference and bring transformation to Northern Virginia? I got to tell you, like, and, and this normally doesn't happen, uh, but I had uh, originally intended uh, to preach a different passage today, and uh, by Thursday, the Lord was just making it clear to me uh, He had other plans. And, and, and so here we are in, in Luke chapter 4 uh, this morning, and I just got to tell you, it wasn't until last night that, that, that He really started to press in on me and help me understand why He took us here, uh, because I think this is what we need. There are a lot of people that are trying to do good in our community, and some of them aren't even believers, and we're, we're thankful for them, but what's the difference in what we're trying to do? Uh, are, are we just another uh, nonprofit humanitarian organization trying to champion a cause? Is that really what we're trying to accomplish here? Listen, listen, in our go beyond efforts, in, in, in what we're trying to do in our community, we cannot miss this. We're so thankful for anyone who has a desire to make our community a better place to live. And we can support and we can partner with many of them uh, for, the, for the better of our community service. But there is a massive distinction in what we believe this city really 
needs. In fact, that's the, that's the difference. That we have the answer to this question. What does the world need now? We believe we know the answer to that. And what the world needs now, before you start singing, let's get into Luke chapter 4 and let's let the Bible determine the answer. Here we are, Luke chapter 4. Go with me to verse 16. Verse 16, uh, Luke tells us that he, Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord has come upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Father, would you meet with us even now? And what a special thing that we could listen to your word. I'm praying, you're going to have to change our minds on this, potentially. Uh, God, we know that you're going to have to press into our hearts that you would help us understand the difference. What is it that is going to make an impact in our community? And I pray that you you would show us yourself. Speak to us this morning. We don't want to leave here without responding uh, to your moving, your spirit's moving in our presence. And we give you praise and we give you glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, what the world needs now. Here it is. You ready? Note this. What the world needs is good news. The world needs good news. And Jesus is about to bring it, okay? I just have to tell you, as a preacher of God's word, uh, this, this moment is just incredible in the scriptures. And I think the more that we learn our Bibles and the more that we grow in our love for Jesus, this is one of those passages when you're reading it, your jaw is gonna hit the floor. And so, so he's at the beginning of his ministry here and he comes to Nazareth. That's where he's from, it's his hometown. It's like going back to see all your old high school buddies and all the people that you grew up with, all your neighbors. And so here he is where he grew up and he heads into the synagogue on the Sabbath. And verse 16 tells us that he stood up to read. Now, this happens every Sunday at Harvest. In fact, it just did. We stand up here and, and we open up God's word and we read from our Bibles. And listen, listen, I, I just got to say this. As long as we are, are trying to be a vertical church for God's glory, you will always hear these words on Sunday Let's open up our Bibles. Listen to me, listen to me. If you stop hearing those words here, you stop coming to this church. Do you hear me? Because you will not encounter the glory of God or see Jesus high and lifted up without this. And so we want to preach God's word. We want to hear from him. And, and so uh, what, what Jesus is doing in this moment, it's really, it's quite fascinating that, that, that it's, it's literally an awesome moment. Because if you think about it, John chapter 1, John told us that Jesus is the word. 
So, so do you see what's happening here? It's kind of sad that, that all of his high school buddies and all of his neighbors and all the people that he grew up, they, they, they're missing this, that standing right in front of them was the word, about to read his word. And, and so verse 17, he says he, he, he takes the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and it was handed to him. That is so not coincidence, but that's just divine orchestration. And he unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it was written. Okay, so this is not one of those, like I, I know many of you probably do this in the morning, kind of like open up your Bible and, and you just let it like fall open, let, let the wind blow and, and randomly stick your finger on a, that's not what Jesus is doing, okay? This is Jesus, the word, opening up his word and going right to the heart of clarity. And he opens up to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. And he reads two verses, just, just two verses. And, and these two verses are like a headline that goes viral on Twitter. What it was really saying was, the world is changing forever. That's what those words should have brought for these people listening. I mean, they, these words should have kind of washed over them, almost like one of those, uh, I, I think about a, one of those spray mist fans at an amusement park, you know what I'm talking about? When you're standing under the impressive heat of the sun on blacktop, and you're like, man, I just need a breeze, I need some relief, that's what those words should have been. These, these words should have been like hearing a doctor say, you're cured, Everything's going to be okay. That's what it should have been because Jesus was bringing good news. And anybody use some good news this morning? Come on, you need some good news this morning? Well, in order for us to understand that this is really good news, I think we need a little bit of context here because I don't know about you, but you probably don't know a whole lot about Isaiah 61, right? So, so let's get a little bit of context here. I, Isaiah 61 was, was uh, right in the middle of a message of hope for God's people. Now, why did they need hope? Well, because Isaiah had prophesied that because they were sinning, because they refused to listen to God, they would not turn from their sin, God was going to send them into exile, into Babylon. In fact, you can read about that. Isaiah chapter 39, he predicted that they, uh, Babylon would come and would take them into exile. And sure enough, 100 years later, it happened. He said, there's really nothing you can do about it at this point. It's too late. You have not listened to God. He's going to come, and the Babylonians are going to come. They're going to take you into exile. But then in Isaiah chapter 40, just so you know, the next time you're reading through Isaiah, there's a major shift in the book. And from Isaiah chapter 40 through the end, chapter 66, Isaiah is giving a message of hope to these people. He's trying to give them a message of hope that one, their exile is gonna end. He's basically saying like, listen, I, I know you're going into Babylon, but you're not gonna be there forever, okay? It, it, it's coming to an end. But, but secondly, he was giving them this message of hope that they were going to experience blessing in the future. But here's the crazy part. It wasn't just for them. God wasn't just planning and orchestrating these events to bless his people there in the nation of Israel. In fact, uh, he was going to extend this invitation to all nations to be a part of his family and experience his blessing. Is anybody thankful for that? Are you thankful? How many people we got in here that are Jewish? You got any, any, any of y'all like 
I am. I can like gloat over you. Thank you, Jeannie. I knew you were. So, so here's the deal. Y'all should be really excited about this, okay? God was extending the invitation for all nations. In fact, at the very end of Isaiah 66, I want you to see this one. The, the very last chapter, he said this, the time is coming. Do you feel it? The time is coming to gather all nations. How many nations? Come on, say it. All nations in tongues, and they shall come and shall see my glory. All the nations have this invitation. Korea and Russia and South Africa and Afghanistan and Colombia and the United States of America. This is good news for the whole world that we all have this invitation to be a part of God's family. And, and how is this going to happen? Well, well, Isaiah was actually telling us that it was going to come through uh, this certain man that Isaiah referred to as uh, God's servant. And that, that's the servant that we uh, come to know as like the Messiah. Uh, the, the servant, and, and I want you to see this when Isaiah chapter 49 verse 6 says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant. There it is. That's the one that, that the Father is talking to. It's too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. That, that, that's basically saying like, for sure, I'm going to save Israel, but the plan is way bigger than that. I will make you a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. It was coming through the servant. And you've heard of this servant. Because many of you will probably recognize these words from Chapter 53, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, and upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. That's the servant. That's the Messiah. And so, in Isaiah 61, what Jesus is quoting here, that's the servant talking. And the servant is telling us that God's kingdom is coming. And so when Jesus opened up this scroll in the synagogue here, but he was helping them understand and describe what God's kingdom is going to be like and the kind of change and transformation it would bring. I know you're like feeling like, okay, so, so, so what does this have to do with us? What, what, why, why do we need this message here in Fairfax today. Well, we'll look at it. You're here, Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to, here it is, proclaim good news to the poor. It's to the poor. Now, wait, wait, wait. Time, time out. Um, I've said this before. Uh, you know this. Um, Fairfax County has been consistently listed as one of the top two or three richest counties in the entire United States. I, I wouldn't exactly describe us as, as poor. So, 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 so like, how, how does this apply to us? I mean, maybe this is more like a DC thing, right? They've got, like, their poverty is over 17%. Maybe that's what this is talking about. Well, it really de depends on how you define poor, doesn't it? Who are the poor? Is he talking about economic poverty? You know, like you can see the economic, the social, the political, the injustice, all of that, tangible poverty? Or is he talking about spiritual poverty? The answer is yes. It's both. What Jesus was helping us understand is it's all, we all need this. 
everyone who's experiencing this. The poor he describes here in verse 18, he he calls them, they're, they're the captives, the blind, the oppressed. Do you know? These are physical and social realities in our world right now, today. And, and we cannot stay aloof and naive to uh, the suffering and the despair in our world, even in Northern Virginia. And it is tangible, and it's a reality that we have to know it exists, and God has something to say about that today. And today there are people that are dealing with a kind of poverty and a kind of hunger that, that most of us will never understand and will never appreciate. There are people who don't know what it feels like, the security to turn their key into their own home or to open their fridge for breakfast or to pull out their debit card for their groceries. People don't have, these people need good news. And and there's also the captives. There there are people who are held captive, impoverished, they're they're imprisoned unjustly. And, and, And here's the thing, we live in a global world, right? We see things that are happening. Our world in some ways has gotten a whole lot smaller. And we've seen over the last couple of years, some of these people that have been arrested in places like Syria and Iraq under the ISIS terrorist groups. There are many people in our world who are experiencing this kind of captivity. And The Polaris Project tells us that the International Labor Organization estimates that there are 4.5 million people trapped in forced sexual exploitation globally. And the Northern Virginia Human Trafficking Initiative has said that Virginia, our state, is one of 10 states that make the most calls to the National Human Trafficking Resource Center hotline. And a large percentage of those calls are made from right here in Northern Virginia with more than 500 known investigations. Those are just the ones that are known. This kind of captivity is real and it's right around us. And what about how many millions of people are held captive by the tyranny of alcohol and drugs and pornography, and they're ravaged by the effects of this, but hopelessly addicted to the emptiness of the bottle or the needle or images on a screen. These people need hope. They need some good news. And what about, it says they're also uh, the blind. What about the blind? Well, every one of us has felt the, the impacts and the effects of physical sickness and handicaps and disease and suffering. Anyone who knows uh, the, 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 the frightening sounds of a hospital. And I'm thankful for modern medicine, but nobody likes to go there. It's kind of scary to be in there, right? And anybody who knows what it's like to try to hold and comfort a loved one through their last hours in terminal illness knows we need some good news. And the oppressed, what about them? They're all around us. The weak, the vulnerable, the widows, the orphans, babies killed in abortion, children, victims suffering under injustice and abuse, beaten in their homes, violated in their innocence, and helpless to fight it, helpless to do anything about it. Look, we look around at all this darkness, this despair, this brokenness in our world with the smell of death on on the air. We're wondering, how did we get here? And we know we need some good news because the bad news is so tangible. And we know that there's incredible poverty because of it. But in the black heart of all of this suffering and injustice is spiritual poverty. We're all spiritually poor. Do you know that? 
Whether, whether you got money or not, like whether, whether you're taking shelter under cardboard or you're taking a vacation on a yacht, we are all spiritually bankrupt. The crazy thing is, the danger is that, that we could think we're not. And see, we, here, we in the West, we have way more than most people in the world would ever be able to understand. And so sometimes we're able to fool ourselves and to think that I don't have spiritual. I'm okay. I'm doing all right. And yet there are these haunting words that Jesus told the church in Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3. He told this church, he said, For you say, I am rich. I have prospered. I need nothing. Like, I got everything I need. I'm okay. I don't have, I don't have spiritual poverty. Not knowing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, we all are spiritually poor. And this would be like, like so, so you ever gone to um, the checkout line and, and you're about ready to, to pay and then all of a sudden your credit card is denied? You know, like that's super embarrassing for everybody involved, right? It's that kind of feeling where like one minute you thought, I got money, I'm fine, everything's fine. And then all of a sudden you realize it's not, you're in trouble. That's the feeling here. No matter what you have or what you don't have, we all have a crisis because our biggest problem is sin. And it wasn't always this way, right? In the beginning, God created a a good and a perfect world teeming with life and, and with beauty and abundance, and it was all wonderful. But in one horrific moment, sin entered the world. Because you remember Adam and Eve, they they were tempted by Satan and and they took and they ate the fruit that God had forbidden. And and in that moment, that that was a choice, okay? And in that moment, we all joined the rebellion. Because every time we sin, every time, like, we're like, yeah, you know what, God? I don't want you to be king. I don't want you to be in charge. I'm in charge. I want to do my thing. I think I can call the shots better. We've joined in the rebellion. And so none of us are without excuse. But there are consequences for rebelling against our Creator. And we, Genesis 3, in one moment, are separated from God. There's no peace. And that sin that we turn to, hoping that it would deliver as promised, has left us spiritually impoverished. And, and in that moment, God's perfect world was cursed, fractured. And that's where we get all of this brokenness, all of this oppression, all of the injustice, all of the sickness, all of the death, and people who are totally captured and held hostage by sin, spiritually blind in unbelief and oppressed by the devil and his demons. And I'm telling you, what the world needs now is some good news, even, even just a whisper that it's possible that this isn't the end of the story. And if you have ever felt this pain, if you have ever felt the effects of sin, if you know what that feels like to be under the weight, to be under the weight of sin, and to have to deal with the effects that it's ravaging in your home, in your family, in your life, if you have ever been under the effects of sin, then you know, I hope this morning, you would be crying out in desperation, Lord, is there anyone who can fix this? 
And, and, and so, so this, is, this is Jesus, the Word. This is where he, the one who became flesh, he, he uh, stands in the synagogue reading the words of life, and he reads this proclamation right here in verse 19. He says, uh, I came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That just means there's a new day coming. You know, there's a new day coming. And he rolled up the scroll, and he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. You just, you just got to know, like, the, the energy in this room is just electric. And it, and it says that the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Can, can you just feel the anticipation building of this moment as Jesus sits and says, today. It's today. Hey, if you have ever been under the weight of sin and guilt, if you, maybe some of you this week have been struggling under the temptations of sin, you, you feel like you're caught in this. You feel like you're, you're having to constantly deal with the effects of sin. Can I tell you, there's a new day coming. Did you hear it? It's today. It's today. And here's the good news. Note this. The world needs this message, that Jesus can heal our poverty. Jesus can heal our poverty. You see, well, here's what's happening. Uh, Isaiah was prophesying about the one who was anointed, the Mashiach, the Messiah. And that's, that's what we get there at the beginning of verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. That, that's where we get the idea of the Messiah, the anointed one. And, and so do you see the significance of what Jesus is saying here? Do you know what he just did? In, in that moment, as he's rolling up the scroll after reading, he sits down and he declares, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What he's saying is, I'm the one. This prophecy was about me. I'm the servant. I am the Messiah. And what Jesus was announcing in that moment is, this is who I am, and this is why I came. So we're trying to reach out and impact our community through go beyond, but we just can't miss what Jesus is doing here, okay? Jesus didn't just come on some philanthropic humanitarian efforts through the Middle East to try to alleviate some suffering. And, and I know some of you are going to be like, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but listen, did you see all the miracles he did? I know. He healed the, the blind. He cast out demons. He cleansed the lepers. He healed the sick. All of those were signs that he is the one who can heal our deepest need the sin that it is at the root of our spiritual poverty and that poverty that is wreaking havoc and tearing our world apart. He's the one. And Northern Virginia and the people in our world need to hear the gospel. Just notice that what Jesus said. He said, I'm coming to, what the word is, proclaim. And that's our, that, that's our mission right here, that we would proclaim these things. We cannot be ashamed in our mission to help people understand that their deepest need is a Savior who will rescue you. Yes, he can fix all of this tangible brokenness that you can't get away from, you can't escape, but he's also here to rescue from eternal judgment. Can't be afraid of telling them this. In fact, John Piper has said it this way, efforts at social improvement that, that neglect this great goal will be looked back on by poor people in hell as a horrible form of ecclesiastical malpractice. And you just think about that for a minute. 
If that, that man that you decided you were going to help, you're going to like, I'm going to love on this guy. I'm going to go out and like, I'm going beyond, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm going to get some groceries for him. I'm going to give him a hug. And, and that man that you helped one day is going to be suffering under the just wrath of God in the fires of hell because of his sinful rebellion. And in that moment, he will look back on your service and how you helped him like, yeah, thanks for the groceries, but you couldn't have taken the time to tell me that I was on my way to this place. Do the fires of hell light a fire under you now to go? To help people understand. Jesus didn't shy away from warning about this reality. Because he knew we needed a Savior. And I know some of us, we would, we would just so rather send a check or, 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 or pay for the guy's Starbucks behind us or, or uh, like, like push the button to uh, add a bill, uh, add a dollar to your bill in, in the grocery store for charity, or, or uh, serve at a soup kitchen, or fill a backpack for Go Beyond, or, or, or hug a homeless guy, or even dedicate our entire life's work to humanitarian efforts. We'd rather do that than to open up our mouths and tell people that they need a Savior, and his name is Jesus. And maybe you've heard this before. I know you've, at some point, you've, maybe you've seen it in a meme, I don't know. But you've, you've heard this phrase, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, come on, you know what, you know what? Use words, you've heard it. Now that is usually attributed to a man named St. Francis of Assisi. And I'm not really sure if that is true, but that was a sissy thing to say. And I know what he was meant. I know what he meant. I, listen, I know, go Go love people. Go be Jesus to somebody. But God has called us to be bold, unafraid witnesses to everyone around us that we would tell them that judgment is coming and there is salvation in no other name but the name of Jesus Christ. People need Jesus. And yes, we care about social justice. I realize that social justice right now is kind of a fashionable fight especially in our area, and especially for young, relevant Christians, right? It looks good on our social media. It's palatable to unbelievers, even those people that would be hostile to church, right? And listen, there are so many people that would be happy for our church to come and do some community service, as long as that's as far as it goes. Like, if you want to come, your church wants to come help the homeless, help our organization, provide some handouts, man, that's great. But don't start in on any of that Jesus stuff, okay? And don't you dare start telling us about that hell. Like, don't go there. Listen, listen, the suffering and the poverty, this, this injustice, all of that, it is worth the fight. And we will support those that are taking this stand. But we want to make an impact that will go beyond just a day, go beyond a year, even go beyond a generation. We want to make an impact that will echo into eternity because we have the answer. We have the answer to the question of what the world needs now. And his name is Jesus. Do you know that? And, and, and he's the one. He's the, what he's saying to them in this moment is, like, I came to heal all of this. Only Jesus can transform this community. Only he can bring good news to the poor. Only he can give liberty to the captives where, 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 
Prisoners of war can know true peace and, and addicts are set free and no longer hopelessly caught in their vice. Anybody know somebody that needs to be set free from sin? Do you know somebody like that? They need Jesus. Yes, we're going to love. Yes, we're going to give them clothes. Yes, we're going to give them a place to stay. But they desperately need to know that there's a Savior who can rescue them. And only he can assure the recovering of the sight to the blind, right? He can open the eyes of the worst rebellious sinners to see their need for a Savior. There's some people that come to mind, you're like, they ain't never coming to Christ. You know what? God can open their eyes. And even the physical sickness, he can heal. You know why? Because Jesus has conquered death. And his resurrection gives us this great hope that we will live forever with perfect bodies, free from disease and suffering. Love that. I've told you so many times before, my dad is suffering with Parkinson's disease. I hate seeing it. But it's that, it's that, that reminder, like his body's wearing out. It's not working like it, like it used to. But because of the resurrection, there's this hope. Someday, it's coming. Only Jesus can do that. And only Jesus can set at liberty those who are oppressed. A few weeks ago, we were in Ephesians chapter 6. You remember this? We were talking about the fact that we're in spiritual warfare. And some of you feel that. Some of you feel like you're under attack. You are being oppressed. You have an enemy, right? Our enemy, he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And sometimes he's coming for you. But can I tell you, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. He's already defeated Satan. And he's going to judge the wicked. And he comforts and he protects the vulnerable and the abused. Jesus is coming again, and he's going to set up his kingdom. And when he does, he will destroy all evil, and there will be no more sin. There will be no more tears, and our physical bodies will be resurrected, and we will live with him in a city where he reigns in righteousness and in justice. And, and so we can look at all of our poverty. We can look at, look, look at the, the, the physical, the economic, the social, the spiritual, and the gospel of Jesus declares that he is the one who can heal it all. So the question for us is, which kind, of, which kind of poverty should we concern ourselves with? You see, there are some people, there are some churches uh, that have really fallen into what we would call a social gospel. And we just have to be really careful of this, okay? There, there are some that have, they, they have so overemphasized, like, we just need the here and the now. Like, don't, we don't need to be like, we just need to be Jesus, okay? We, just, we don't need to tell them, we just need to be Jesus. We need to like uh, eliminate poverty and, and, and fight homelessness and hunger and, 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 and to the exclusion of that. And then there are others on the opposite end of the spectrum are like, don't really care that you don't have food tonight. You just need to get saved, okay? So, so which is it? Which is it? Listen, listen, it's all of it. Because as God's people who have trusted in Christ and are looking to his coming kingdom, we care about all of it. And so, the gospel, does it compel you? Are, are, you, are you moved by the suffering and the injustice that you see around you? And we want to eliminate all suffering. And so like Jesus, we're going to we're going to care for the people that are, that are hurting right in front of us. And we're, we're going to 
Keep our eyes open. We're going to take the time. We're going to seek out the hurting and the vulnerable. But our concern is not just for the momentary suffering. We care. We know it hurts. We know that there's an answer for that. We care about that. But we also care about eternal suffering as well. And I think historically, we need to learn a lesson from those churches and organizations who, uh, they started off with really great intentions, okay? They started off wanting to have a, a gospel witness, but they so overemphasized the horizontal ministry to the exclusion of the vertical relationship with the Lord that over time they lost the good news of Christ's salvation. I'm just telling you, Harvest, we cannot lose the gospel. The best thing that we have is the good news that Jesus saves sinners. So we go out to serve. And we do these Go Beyond projects. And I realize that some people might like look at what we're doing in Go Beyond with a sneer and be like, oh, well, you're just trying to get converts. You better believe we are. We're seeking the welfare of our city, knowing that what the world needs now is Jesus. Maybe you need that today. Can I tell you, maybe God is present. I, I don't know how he's moving, and I'm praying that he's moving in our hearts. I would long for you to respond to this, okay? That we wouldn't just soak these things in, but when, when God is moving, we respond. And maybe he's pressing in on you right now. That you would come to a place where you say, man, I don't, I, I don't know if I know Jesus. I don't know that I have that assurance that if I died today, I'd be saved from my sins. What he has told us this morning is he's the one who came and died on the cross and took your place. He did it for you. Do you know that? Because he loved you. And he wanted to save you from the worst eternal suffering. Because he wants to live with you forever. He's the only one who can give you hope. Father, I pray that you would be working in our church even in this moment. We don't move from these things lightly. Spirit, would you be moving in our hearts that we would respond to you? And nobody's looking around, but if that would be you, everybody's eyes are closed. There's no pressure here. But if God is speaking to you right now, if he's pushing and pressing in on your heart, and you know that you are a sinner and you need a Savior, I'm going to ask you, will you believe in Jesus today? You can do that now, and you can be assured. You can be assured that you will be saved from the judgment that is coming, and we all deserve it. You can pray that right now. If that's you, just where you're at right now, I just would ask you, 
pray to the Lord and ask him to save you. Tell him, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve your judgment. But I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin. Please forgive me of my sin and save me today. Now, nobody's looking around. But if you just prayed that prayer, I would love to pray for you. Everybody else's heads are bowed, their eyes are closed. If you just prayed that prayer, you're telling me today, I, I know I need to be saved today. Would you just lift up your head, look right at me so I can see you. I'm, I'm not going to call you out. I just want to pray with you. You lift your eyes, look right at me. If you just prayed that prayer, you're telling me I need to be saved today. praying for these people that have just trusted you for salvation. God, we, we give you glory for that. And I'm praying for our church that we would hunger and thirst for you, that you would fill us and we would be so compelled by the gospel that we would love the hurting. We would seek to eliminate all the suffering we would do good. Lord, we want to meet these needs. We want to love our city. And we just give you praise because you're the one that can bring transformation. How great is our God? We give you praise.